All right. I just want to, I just want to make a point and then make this point over and over. People always call and they want to know everything. You know, you're only going to know what the Holy Spirit tells you. And it's okay. I learned this years ago when in way before all this message and, and we are probably the freest people around that I knew and we believed way different than everybody and we, we, we were so happy that somebody else like believed some of the stuff we were so shocked but you know when I learned I was righteous by faith you're talking 25 years ago I could think of every scripture that contradicted but the Lord said you know what when I give you a revelation to be like a pit bull with a snake nobody's getting it out of its mouth just hold on to that and don't worry about the rest of it it, it, and now, like all those same scriptures, I can take to task if anybody ever wanted to talk, you know, use those against me. I'd show them exactly what it, how it all lines up, but it took time, right? So just let the Holy Spirit just lead you and, and talk to you. And just it, the Holy Spirit is like a, a beautiful, wise counsel that's walking with you everywhere and saying, look at this and teaching you. And, the, and, the, and, and last time I learned that when I went to school, it was the teacher that set the agenda. It wasn't the student all the time. And the teacher setting the agenda is leading you. The Holy Spirit, beautiful Spirit is leading you into all truth. And that's wonderful. So this, there's not a lot, uh, you know, we kind of covered a lot of this major stuff in this chapter. But, you know, we just covered the temptation, right? And remember, I, I just love this. You know, people always, you know, in the Pentecostal faith circles, you always, and I have friends still today, it's the devil, 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 I mean, the devil's got way more power than God just by listening to him, right? The devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. And I always say the only devil that only has got one power or what no has no power is only can trick you into believing falsely about yourself. That's it. That's what he did to Adam. And that's what that's what the enemy or the Diablos or the serpent Ophus, the Greek, right, does to us, tries to believe a falseness about us stop, stop, and tries to get us to prove who we are. And that's what the temptation was. It says, if you're, if you are the son of God, it's the if he's trying to get him to question and then do these things, prove yourself. And Jesus doesn't move because he's moved by the father's voice. And the father 40 days earlier said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he says the same thing about you. These are my sons and daughters in whom I am well pleased. And if we back up another couple of scriptures or a couple of chapters since we just had Christmas and remember, and I, I love the scripture in the regular versions, the angels show up to the, in the, to the shepherds and they say, glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth in whom he is well pleased. Say he is well pleased with me right now. I am not my actions. I am who God says I am all the time. And that does not change. His, his mind has been made up about you in Christ. You're in union with Christ. You're one with Christ. In fact, I was thinking a little bit ago, I haven't even got to the chapter yet. It's like, you know, we're looking for God up there and God is here. God is not up there. God is here. God came here. The kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And he means it. And he did it already. He's living in all of us. We're looking for him somewhere else. Look inside, brothers and sisters. He's living in you, the whole Godhead. Anyway, here we go. So remember, he just did the temptation. Then he goes to Nazareth and he really makes them mad. Gets kicked out of the synagogue. And really the same temptations. I mean, prove yourself. They're going to throw him off the cliff. And he disappears in verse 30. That's where we're starting. Actually, we're starting in 31. But he 
left them grabbling in there. He disappeared. That's just so cool. Anyway, verse 31, here we go. He then went to Capernaum. And I was kind of looking up the, the name of the town. It means comfort. He went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, where he frequently taught in the synagogues and Sabbaths. Now I got a, the Holy Spirit just gave me a scripture that I just got to go back to. Is it four? Is it Matthew four fifteen? Let's see. Yeah, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, which of course are two of the twelve tribes of Israel, in the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Okay, so Galilee, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who sat in the land and the shadow of death, light has dawned. Woo! And that's where he's at. Scripture is being fulfilled right here. His no, this is a scripture Pam and I posted on this on the on the Facebook site this week. This is great. His teaching kept breaking the mold that their minds were trapped in. It kept breaking their molds. They're what minds were trapped in. The word he taught mirrored in them their true I amness. There, your true I amness. I'm going to have you just repeat on por favor for you Spanish people. It says, 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 the mere Bible, which is the teaching of Christ, breaks the mold of the mold are, that our minds are trapped in by other versions. Does it not do that? Yes. The mere Bible has broken the mold where my mind was trapped. I mean, if you have a version of the Bible and you study it really hard and you come out on the other side of Pharisee, probably weren't hearing the right teaching, were you? I know a lot of Pharisees in the church, and I probably had a little Pharisee in me years ago. Hopefully not anymore. Just Christ-like, right? All right. And down here in the commentary, he says, to mold, I love this, the word explasanto also means to strike a person, listen, to strike a person out of his sense by some strong feeling, such a wonder or a joy. In other words, he's hitting him with some stuff that's piercing their hearts that they're just like oh my god remember he said remember all through the his teachings he says you say this i say this it's so different today you say this i say this remember i used to say this years ago before the mirror so the truth sets you free so non-truth puts you in bondage doesn't it don't want any of that i want the truth my word my prayer i don't know probably 35, some, almost 40 years ago, is, Lord, teach me the truth. I said, even if you have to knock me on my keister, I didn't quite say it that way, but just to be nice. I want to know the truth. I, I want to be free. And I personally don't believe you can be totally free without the mere Bible. I'm just telling you that. All right. And the commentary under number three says, this is what was made... Now, this is what made his teaching different from the law professors who taught the letter of the law of works. Remember, the letter kills. 2 Corinthians 3, 6. 
It cannot bring life. It kills. And it's taught in Christendom all over the place. It's amazing. And in uh, Hebrews 8.13, it says the law is to be dispensed with altogether and be done away. And he tells that to the Hebrews for crying out loud. I mean, <laughs> whoever wrote that was bold. Because they don't, you know, they still to this day would probably kill over those words. All right. The letter of the law works, and I love this, and not the poema, not the poem. The real gospel is a poem. The real gospel is beautiful words put together. The poetry of the law of life, the law of the spirit of life. Remember this, and I love this in 2 Corinthians 3, because right after this says the letter kills. I know I'm over this, but I'm just giving what the Holy Spirit gives me. It says the spirit cannot bring death, and the law cannot bring life. It's black and white. Read it. it. Says the letter kills. Letter brings condemnation. The spirit brings life. The spirit brings righteousness. What do you want, brothers and sisters? Death or life? Choose you this day. I'll take life. Anyway, right back here. The poetry of the law of life. <clears throat> there are two trees here. The same two trees in the Garden of Eden. See, these two trees are in the Bible all the way through. They're still in the Bible. They're there. The works of the... Oh, wait, 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 wait. The same two trees in the Garden of Eden. Two systems. The works of the flesh versus the tree of life. Christ is the tree of the life. The finished work is the tree of the life. What God believes to be true about you and the consequences of the single work of the Father, Son, Spirit in the death, resurrection, and ascension is the tree of life. What God believes and he's not changing his mind and what you do cannot mess it up. He's not that dumb. He does not count on you and me. The house of the rock. Deuteronomy. Okay. Thus our true identity. Say my true identity versus the house of sand which is the flesh identity. Christ is the rock. You go back to the 7th chapter of Matthew. It says you can build your house on the sand or the rock. You build your house on your works. You're building on the sand. You're building on the rock. The rock is the finished work of the cross. The rock, I don't have to prove myself. I am what I am because he says I am. I know Rachel posted this week a little clip when I said, you know, I like, the, I like to go to the Bible because I like what the Bible says about me. It makes me feel happy. It says good things about me. It, tell, it tells me even things that sometimes I have a tough time believing. But if there's if it happens to be my opinion and God's opinion and they're different, my opinion is wrong. If there's a contradiction, he's right. And you know what? If there was no contradiction, we wouldn't need any faith. Let's face it. We wouldn't need to believe. Now, remember, Abram had a contradiction, didn't he? He had an old body. He had a barren and menopausal wife. Not just a barren. I mean, it was and metapausal. And I love that. The 19th verse, Romans 4, I get on a verse, I just love it. He says, he finally figured out no contribution from their side could bring about the promise. And guess what? No, pro no uh, contribution on your side can bring about the promise either. It's Christ manifesting the harvest of righteousness in your flesh by you simply believing what he says. Beyond the contradiction. Okay. All right, in the synagogue, a man with unclean, demonic spirit began rolling out, or 
this is rolling out loud. Hollering out loud, sorry. Rolling out loud. I'm like, what? Hollering out loud. Okay. So what do we have to do? What do we have in common with the Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to break our hold on people? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Now, I came out of the old paradigm years ago about demons and stuff. And I'm just going to say this. I have not got the full revelation on the demonic and all that stuff. I know Jesus has done a finished work. I know he's defeated the devil. He's, he's a defeated foe. But Paul casts out a demon in Acts, the six, I think it's the 16th chapter. And we talk, the sons of seven sons of Sceva are trying to cast out a demon, and the guy the demon possessed whips their hiney. So I haven't got that one figured out. And since I don't, I don't teach on it because until the Holy Spirit gives me a revelation on it, I'm wasting my time. I can give you all the teachings of the church, but until it becomes a reality to me, it's just a waste of time. And I and I will not do that. But I'm not cashing it all in others say this there isn't this and there isn't that because i don't know i mean i kind of do but i just don't have the you know wait wait till god gives you my point here is wait till god gives you a revelation on things wait till he shows you he wants to show you you possess his mind second corinthians excuse me one corinthians 2 says he says he's given you his spirit put it in you so you can know his thoughts say i have the thoughts of God. That's what having the mind of Christ is. He lives in you and he's given you his thoughts and his perspective on things. Woo. Let's see. And you know, I was thinking about, well, maybe I'll talk about that a little bit. Oh, let's just go back to read Luke 4, 18 here. It's a perfect time. It says, what do we have in common with Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to break our hold on the people? And the answer is, Yeah. I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. So let's see, 4.18, which is, of course, uh, is it 61.1, Isaiah. But it's like just such a grid because it's, because it's, okay. He opened the scroll, this is in Nazareth, and rolled it out in order to find the specific place where the following was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus, because he has anointed me to announce glad tidings to a starving people. He has commissioned me to announce the freedom of what forgiveness. I love this. To those, this is so beautiful how Francois puts this. To those who are held captive at a spear point by their guilt and shame. That's what the letter brings, guilt and shame. Also, the blind may now look up and be restored to their sight. I'm anointed to send out those who are bruised and traumatized in the freedom of their redeemed innocence and that's what he's doing here it's a demonstration of the power of the living god the father son spirit coming down and displaying the kingdom of god jesus rebuked him and commanded him to immediately shut up and get out of the man with that the man was flung to the ground but not hurt everyone was shocked and wondered with amazement about well i love this the dynamic of his word and you always got to remember the dunamis dynamic is the power it's the power of his word that charged unclean spirits and they left. This conversation continued to resound throughout the entire region and went, I love this, Francois, went viral. When Jesus stood up from the teacher's seat and left the synagogue that day, 
He went to Simon's house where his mother-in-law was harassed by a persistent and very severe fever. Now remember, it's a Sabbath. Sabbath is Friday night to Saturday night sundown. Jesus leaned over her and rebuked, rebuked the fever and left it, and, and excuse me, and it let her, left her, sorry. She immediately got up and prepared a meal for them. And I love the commentary here. It says, he pictures Jesus as a kindly, sympathetic physician just leaning over. Isn't that cool? At sunset, because now Sabbath is over, and everybody can start moving again. Everyone, you know, isn't it interesting? The, the first demon-possessed guy is in the synagogue. <laughs> He's not outside. He's in the synagogue. <laughs> At sunset, sunset, everyone who had family or friends suffering from any kind of disease, and I love that word disease, dis-ease. It's a French word, lack of ease, discomfort, dis-ease. At the end of er at sunset, everyone, blah, 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 it, from any kind of disease, brought them to him, and he laid his hands on them one by one and cured them all. Cured them all. It didn't say over in, uh, as a Peter, it says, he bore our sicknesses and infirmities, and by his stripes we were healed. We were healed. Just thank him that you were healed. And I love the commentary here. I think it was by, was it by Robertson or somebody? Let's see. It was the end of the Sabbath, and carrying everything on on the Sabbath was regarded as work, of course. Robertson's notes, I love this. He heals one by one with a tender touch upon each one. A tender touch. Not this. A tender touch. Luke alone gives the graphic details, which was more than a mere ceremonial laying on of hands. Whoa. A gentle touch, more than just a, okay, we like go down and lay hands on everybody. No, a tender touch, personal. He's personal, and we all know that, don't we? He's personal to each one of us. Clearly, the, the cures of Jesus reach the physical, the mental, and the spiritual planes of human nature. He is Lord of life and acted here as master of each individual case as it was presented to him, like each individual. Wow. And now we find out how long he's been doing this. So it's sundown. We don't know what time of year it is, but hey, Israel's closer to the equator. It's definitely not past 8 o'clock. Demons also came out of many crying out, you are the Son of God. Jesus shut them up. While demons knew that he what that he was the Messiah, he didn't need any devil to promote him. Now I was thinking that, that's crazy. Now why? And I do I have the total answer to this? And the answer is no. But I was thinking a couple things. Why would the devil try to throw out his name? And always the game with the enemy is always to try to get you to prove yourself or deny and deny who you are. And so somehow I was thinking if he throws that out there. Maybe he's getting everybody to try to say, you're the Messiah, so he'd have to like back off and hopefully deny himself. But I'm not sure about that, okay? I don't know, but it's pretty interesting. Remember when I told you starting Luke, I said there's a lot of stuff in here. I mean, I, I'm into Paul, I'm telling you. 
I could I could roll through his teachings over and over and over, and they make me just jump out of my skin. And I'm definitely bringing all those in when we have this, because Paul has the New Testament Gentile grace teaching. That's where it's at. It was almost day. It was almost dawn the next day. So now you're talking, man, it's 10 hours of touching people. Maybe, you know, roughly, right? When Jesus finally got to break away, and I love into a solitary place where he could spend some time alone. Now, I was thinking about this. You know, you know, I came out of the tradition you had to pray more, read more, do this more, da 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 da. But I always say, I tell people, God is perfectly pleased with you. He's never going to change his mind up about you, no matter what you could do. You don't ever have to pray, talk to him, go to church, whatever, ever again. He doesn't change his mind about you. But when we fellowship, when we attend a little scripture Bible study, when we spend time with God and hear his voice, we change. He doesn't change. We change into his image and likeness. We are in his point of view, but actually manifesting it. And I was thinking about it, if a man and woman get married and they never have any, you know what? They don't have any babies. So when we spend time with God, in union with God, in fellowship with God, we produce fruit, don't we? Maybe it says that in John 15. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay, I'm going to go back and start at 42 again. Excuse me. It was almost done the next day when Jesus finally got a break away in the solitary place where he could spend some time alone. But the multitudes pursued him. And when they found him, they just clung to him and wouldn't let him go. He said to them, I love this, you'll have to let me go to the other cities also. I am on a mission to what? Announce the good news of the kingdom of God to everyone. Perfect time to start a mega church, but he didn't. Jesus is not a very good church builder in our estimation. He goes to Nazareth and makes them all mad. Goes to Capernaum, has a good going, and he just takes off. Right? I'm just telling you, I just love Jesus. He's not going to get trapped into like, I got to do this because I built something, and then I got to keep on the teaching because if I don't, the whole thing's destroyed. No, I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. You eat my flesh and drink my blood. Ooh, that's pretty tough. We can't, we can't, we can't stomach that, right? John the sixth chapter, he spoke the truth. And, you know, think about it. He said stuff that was symbolic that they didn't understand. And he knew they didn't understand. He said it anyway. Now, I would have explained it to them to try to cool the situation off, but he didn't. He just let it ride. Go figure it out. Sit with the spirit, figure it out. He did. Actually, we just, I don't know, a while back we did John. And almost all the stories in John are prophetic. And, and I said, John should have had a commentary. Because the temple, I mean, all these are prophetic stories and there's symbolism in every one of them. But, you know, John is brilliant. He wants you to discover this yourself. To build your personal relationship with the, the Spirit and the Father, Son that are in you. He wants you to come to discover it all by yourself. He could have gave a commentary. This is what it means. This is what we'd have done today. But he didn't. He just threw it out there. You figure it out. You got the spirit. You figure it out. Anyway, verse 44. And thus he continued to be what he was commissioned to do. 
herald of the good news in all the churches of Judea. The end. <laughs> I always give a good conclusion. The end. There you go. Good news. 